the tricky thing for us was that Dev was managed by a guy called Ned Guy. And Ned actually got the Collingwood list manager's job probably about a month before trade period. So here we were doing the work to get Devon to Essendon and I thought, this isn't good. I've got to act really quickly because obviously I've got no doubt that uh, they would have asked the question at some point. Hi everyone, my name's Julian Trantino and I'm from the Don's Digital team. While we wait for footy to return, we're pleased to bring you a podcast series with Adrian Dodoro, the club's GM of Liston Recruiting. Leading the club's recruiting for 22 years, Adrian has a wealth of draft and trade stories that he'll be sharing exclusively on the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome back to Dodcast. What originally started as a five-part series uh, will continue on, which is great news. Uh, we've been uh, overwhelmed by the support from the Bummer Faithful. And remember, if you like the podcast, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Great to be joined by Adrian Dodoro, the club's GM of Listen Recruiting again. Adrian, how is life in isolation going for you? Uh, not too bad, Jules. Um, just uh, watching a lot of videos at the moment, getting ready for... Uh what will hopefully be an exciting trade period coming up at the end of the year. So always looking forward and looking towards improving our list going uh, going into next year and beyond. And speaking of improving your list, this this episode is all about the 2017 trade period, a nice uh, flow on from our last episode where we spoke about the 2016 draft. So of course, 2017, we, we saw Adam Saad, Devin Smith and Jake Stringer join the club. Uh, Devin Smith will be joining us a little bit later to talk about his experience of that trade. You said at the completion of that trade period that it was uh, the Essendon Football Club was relevant again. When you look back in hindsight, how big a trade period was it? Oh, it was huge and I must admit there were some really nervous moments throughout that whole period because you know we'd come out off the USADA ordeal and as you know Jules there wasn't many people that wanted to get to our football club for about four or five years and then um, in 2016, we got the wooden spoon, and but we but there was a, re- a relevance about our football club, and people starting to take notice of a lot of things. And to go after three quality players, you know, coming into their prime of their football, and for all of them to agree to come to the club was exciting, uh, and it was also daunting because we had to get the trades done. So um, yeah, it it, uh, it was the probably the the defining moment for our future. You know, we've made finals twice out of you know, out of three years. And hopefully these three players are entering the best years of their careers now. And it was a bit of a cultural shift, I guess, for Essendon at the time as well, because obviously not a club known for normally for going for the big name players, more um, sort of leading towards the draft and, and growing players through there. When did this strategy sort of come into play? You're always planning two years out. So you're always looking at uncontracted players and players that may become available. Uh, but there's no exact science with doing things like this. I think everyone in every club will tell you that sometimes you've got, you've got to be lucky and you've got to be at the right place at the right time. Um, the, the thing is to have relationship with player agents and obviously being in constant dialogue with out-of-contract players and um, and people that are close confident to those people is really, really important. For us, it was really important that we brought three boys to the club that we felt were able to grow for the next seven to eight years and had their best footy ahead of them. Um, and three boys that we we think are of All-Australian standard. Now, obviously, Jake Stringer already has been an All-Australian. Um, Devon was best and fairest winner in his first year, broke the, the league record for tackles, probably unlucky not to be All-Australian. And Adam Saad, well, 
you know, he's knocking on the door for all Australians. So I think all three have still got that um, capability of being all Australian players for our um, for our club, and also you know being players that will take us forward for the next um, you know five, six, seven, eight years. It was a bold strategy at the time. Uh... You know, with with having Sard Smith and Stringer nominating Essendon, and the, the media were were questioning how would the club possibly get this done. <laughs> uh, how how hard was it for you to orchestrate those deals? And were there times where you you were second guessing? I mean, we saw Stringer go right down to the wire. It's interesting, trade period. You just got to hold your nerve. Um, you got to hold your nerve. And when you've got players that commit to your club, you know, nine times out of ten they get there, particularly if they're uncontracted. Um, and it's about reading the circumstances of each individual. So, you know, to have two boys from interstate, one from GWS, one from Gold Coast, one to come to our club, and then you had um, Jakey Stringer. Different circumstances with Jake because they had parted ways prior to Jake, prior to um, trade period, even though he was contracted. Uh, and then as the discussions became a bit protracted and a bit taking a bit more time, they the Bulldogs said that they were going to keep him there. So it got a bit hairy there for a, a little period of time. But we, we got the... The three deals done, um, and it was interesting because during that whole period, um, the the media speculations were that we, we wouldn't get it done, it was going to be too hard to do, we'd bitten off more than we could chew, but we were pretty measured and we had the support of everyone around the footy club. I know that there were times when Xavier Campbell you know, was looking at me thinking, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You're going to get this done, but you know, he was terrific to lean on at the time. And when you got the support of you know, the CEO at the time and obviously the coaching staff, then... It made life a lot easier. But the most important thing was that the three boys stuck fat with us. Once they made their decision, um, they stuck fat. And during that trade period, all three had clubs coming to them and trying to put Spanner in the works. And and that was the good thing about the boys, that they said, no, um, we've decided to stay uh, to, uh, true to our word and um, you know we got the deals done ultimately. How stressful was it for you personally during that, that trade period? Oh, look, it's... Look, you know, it's it's business as usual. It's it's what you know I get paid to do. So I've been doing it for a, for a long, long time, and um, I wouldn't say it's stressful. You just got to be methodical, and you got to work through each process. So I put a plan in place, um, and then what I did was, I thought, well, you know, I, I tested that plan with some people. I know that I, you know, some confidants that. Um, that everyone sort of has. I remember um, putting a plan in place to get the three boys and I was a little bit concerned that it, it might derail. And I remember speaking to um, Chris Pelkin, actually, who former list manager at, uh, at Hawthorne and Port Adelaide and just a guy who's been out of the industry for a while. And I said, uh, I said to Pelks, I want to run something by you confidentially. Give me your opinion. This is what I want to do. And he just said, look, you know, it, it, it seems like a really sound um, strategy. So, you never ever um, go into these things unplanned, and you do look for people to to, to give you the confidence to move forward. As I said before, Xavier was a, a tower of strength at the time. Um, so the way it started was that, um, to be honest, the, the the surprising thing was that all three said they were coming. <laughs> we thought if we got one of the three, we'd, we'd be doing well, but all three said they were coming. So Jake probably was the highest profile of the three players. Um, so to start with Jake, we we always had a close interest with Jake because he played with our uh, reserves team um, as a top-up player when he was at Bendigo Pioneers. Uh, and as you know, he broke his leg as a, a bottom major, a shocking break. 
and the Bulldogs subsequently picked him up as a first-round draft pick. So we had that relationship with Jake going back to the days when um, we had um, a relationship with Bendigo Bombers and Bendigo Pioneers. Um, and when things weren't going great for him at the Bulldogs, you know, having said that, he won a, a premiership there, um, then we were really quick to to make our intentions known that we were pretty keen to get him. So, um, at, but but it didn't come with its, um, you know, because uh, Geelong were very keen on him at the time as well. So we had to work really, really hard. But the things that helped were the relationships that Jake had, particularly with um, Hayden Skipworth at the time. So Hayden and um, Jake had built up a really strong relationship for a number of years, and that, that was a really important sounding board for us. Um, and obviously, Paul Connors and Rob Durazio were, were obviously felt he was a really good fit for us as well. Um, the interesting thing about Jake was, was that when we went through the process, there was a lot of people talking negatively about him as a person, about his character, and there was a lot of questions being said to us about why we would go after him. So we did a hell of a lot of work and a lot of research. Um, we met with him a number of times, his mum, his dad, um, his partner. There was a lot of work went into um, getting to the bottom of a lot of rumours. And thankfully, they were all rumours. Um, we couldn't find anything that um, would change our mind or sway us in not taking Jake. In fact, it's, it's been one of the, the more gratifying selections we've had because he's really developed at our football club, really matured. And has become a player that everyone loves. And um, I'm looking forward to him playing his best footy, you know, from 25, 26 years of age to 30 years of age. And it's going to be with us. So, um, yeah, we, we got that deal done like the other two. It was a gutsy move at the time with Strigo. I mean, there were other clubs, pretty much every other club was ruling themselves out. So, uh, but but one that's definitely paid off the way he's, he's um, approached the last two seasons has been outstanding. You mentioned that you had some concerns during that trade period about the trades not getting done. What were the main concerns? Oh, well, it was the complexity of getting three done. You know, it's very uh, unusual to get three, um, three, you know, 24-year-old players, all of high quality done in the one hit. And we didn't want to give up, you know, um, our future first-round draft pick. It was something we didn't want to do. So we started by going to the Bulldogs first and we gave them a, an opportunity to, to take pick 11 in a, in a deal. Um, they uh, knocked that deal back. So I went straight to Craig Cameron at GWS and offered him pick 11, but we got pick 24 back. So we were able to knock the, the Devin Smith deal really, really quickly. Um, and then uh, Adam Saad, and Gold Coast, were Gold Coast were terrific during that period. Um, Scott Clayton and I had some um, terrific discussions. They realised that Adam, due to family reasons, um, needed to get home. And, you know, we were really, really keen to get him. They saw that our first round pick had gone. So pretty early on in the piece, Scotty and I agreed to a, um, a second round draft selection, which ended up being our future second. And then the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle was to package up two second round selections, the one that we got for Devon and our own um, for Jake, uh, and it fell it fell in line. But as I said, once the boys commit to your club, then it makes it really difficult for the deal not to get done. Um, 
So it, it looked difficult at the time, and at the end of it, we were we celebrated what we thought was a really good, was strong result for the club. And we'll speak a little bit later to Devon about what was involved in trying to get his commitment to the Bombers. We know that Carlton was heavily into him as well at the time. Just on um, Adam Saad, uh, really has delivered in spades since since you secured him with two top four Crichton medal finishes. At the time that he arrived at Essendon, you said he slipped through to our hands. We probably knew him too well. What did you mean by that? Uh, what I meant by that was um, Adam's uncle was a guy by the name of Saad Saad. He's a country legend. And uh, I've had a, a bit of a, a relationship, friendship with uh, Saadi for, for many, many years. And going back to when Adam was about 10, 11 years of age, he kept telling me just how good this, how good his nephew was. He was going to play league footy. And um, I can actually recall um, Adam playing against my son, East Keeler versus uh, uh, Coburg, um, under, you know, under 10s, under 11s, and watching this little kid run around. And, you know, he was very small, but very, very quick and very dynamic. So through the relationship, um, uh, we got to know the Saad family really, really well. And coming through Calder, there was always question marks on Adam's resilience, I'll be honest. Um, had speed, great game sense, but there was a question mark on resilience uh, and didn't get drafted. And there was also a massive question mark on his aerobic capacity. Um, he went to the draft camp and didn't really test all that great um, in 3K time trials or beep tests. So he didn't get drafted, uh, but went and played at Coburg and had a fairly good year for Coburg and then Gold Coast picked him up. And I've got no doubt that the turning point in his career was getting drafted and going to the Gold Coast because it turned him um, you know, from a boy into a man. No doubt the independence, you could just see him grow. And you know his football ability and his maturity levels were catching up to each other. And you could just see that there was a young man with a hell of a lot of talent. Um, and I knew his father, Vaf, uh, fairly well. And he and, as I said, his uncle, Saad, um, we caught up a few times and, um, you know, we, we said a long way out that we wanted to get him to Essendon and, and get him back. And uh, thankfully it, it fell away. But he, um, you know, he didn't make it easy for us because he had some options up his sleeve and, and we had to put up a, a, a compelling case for him to get to Essendon. But it's been a great fit for us and it's exciting to see the way he plays the game. His transition from the back end to the front half is probably the best in the competition and he's got his best footy ahead of him. But, um, yeah, it's been a long journey, but we finally got him. And what about his off-field contribution as well? We know he's set up the Adam Saad Academy at the club and um, he's so well-respected by his teammates. We saw how many have uh, have done Ramadan with him in the past and not, not just teammates but staff. But what, what can you say about his cultural contribution? Outstanding. Um and it's a reflection of him as a person, the way he's matured. Um, and everyone loves him and, and, and highly respects him. He, he's opened his doors up at his home to, to everyone. You know, there's, um, there's been a number of times when a lot of the boys have been over there for the big family feast, which is absolutely outstanding. They're a very generous family, um, a great people. And what he does with his academy, with the, with the youth coming through um, is actually Fantastic, and it's actually going to grow and get bigger and bigger. And Essendon will always support um, the academy that he's put together. It's uh, it's, it's outstanding, as I said. Um, he he's a player that um, he's hard to match up on because 
Um, you find that he's getting tagged now. So the challenge for, for him going forward will be how he handles the attention because he is a bit of a weapon for us, obviously, in, in, in that transition style. So, uh, yeah, no, he's a, a terrific young man and a great player. Well, Adrian, we've got Devin Smith waiting on the line, but before we get to him, can you tell us what it was that made you want to go for him back in 2017? Oh, as you know, GWS have have and still do have an abundance of talent, you know, unprecedented um, in, in the history of the game, the amount of talent that they've got uh, and the um, the concessions they were given to build that team. And Devin was always a player that interested us. So I remember uh, Merv Kane and I loved him as a junior um, at Geelong Falcons and we felt he would be an, an elite AFL midfielder. And to watch him play um, for GWS, you know, as a high half forward, forward pocket player and spent a lot of time up forward, we thought, geez, what a wasted talent this guy is. Um, he certainly should be um, of all Australian talent as a midfielder. And we can recall many games uh, at Geelong Falcons where he absolutely dominated through the midfield. And you saw in his first year at the club, I think he broke the record for tackles in the competition and was a dynamic midfielder and won our best and fairest. So he certainly repaid the faith. And um, I know that Merv's always been one that was really strong on him and, you know, we decided that we would always target him and, um, yeah, we're great. It's, we're just wrapped that we got him. Absolutely. Well, I've got him on the line. Devin, how are you going? G'day, lads. How have things been in isolation? Yeah, it's uh, different times, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, obviously have your ups and downs and your days where you're motivated and not so motivated. Um, and, yeah, today was actually pretty cold and wet out there. But um, hopefully we're getting some positive news and, yeah, start to re- rekindle the fire. Well, let's hope. And you just heard some good, some nice words there from Adrian, um, which no doubt bring back some memories from a few years ago. What What are your experiences of uh, trade period 2017? Well, probably just start off with the approach from Adrian. How did it, how did it all begin? Tell the truth, Dev. Yeah, I don't tell know. The truth. I don't know if you want me to tell the truth or not. But it's funny. I was just listening <laughs> about uh, Merv and Adrian there. I remember at draft camp, I, I met with all. Uh, I met with seventeen teams, and Essendon was the quickest one because I walked in and Adrian just smiled at me and said, um, "You're either going to piss off a lot of people or be a club captain one day." And then Merv said, "Yeah, look, you, you're going to be well and truly gone by our pick." So, um, yeah enjoy the draft and whatever. And I just walked out and thinking, what was the point of that meeting? They just both told me <laughs> these things that are obviously relevant, but irrelevant because they're never going to pick me up. That's a true point. And, I, and I've said that a number of times. The thing about Dev, he calls a spade a spade. And I felt like he was interviewing us that day. He's a young kid. I thought, who's this smart ass to walk in here? And I actually said that word you know, verbatim. Um, he'll either captain a club or he'll piss a lot of people off. And uh, I, I think he's, He's seen by heading into our leadership group this year, he's definitely maturing into a terrific leader. Well, Adrian, you ended up using pick 11 to secure Devon early in that trade period, which actually was the first time in your recruiting career that you'd given up a top 20 pick for a trade. How smooth were the negotiations? What happened, obviously, with Jake and with Sadi, I had to balance, you know, I've only got one first round pick I wanted to give up. A couple of things with uh, Dev, there was a couple of clubs coming for him. I think St Kilda obviously came in late to the picture, so I needed to get my skates on. But the, the tricky thing um, for us was that Dev was managed by a guy called Ned Guy, and Dev can fill this in. Ned um, actually got the Collingwood list manager's job probably about a month before trade period. So here we were doing the work to get Devon to Essendon, and Ned gets the job at Collingwood. And I thought, this isn't good. I've got to act really quick here because obviously Ned knew how much I wanted him. 
Um, and I've got no doubt that uh, they would have asked the question at some point. Is that right, Dev? Yeah, I actually I'd forgotten about that until then, but it, that was <laughs> that was pretty full on. Um, well, Ned kept saying to me like, "We have to meet with Collingwood, have to meet with Collingwood," and I just kept saying, "Look, I'd." Unfortunately, I'm not interested. One of my best mates is Air Tatum's. who's calling me all the time, but I, I just didn't really want to meet with them. Obviously, I had the the um, connections with Bucks and, and whatever else there and Adji Chalor going there. But um, he finally convinced me to, to go see them. And I remember driving in the car park and he said, oh, I've got to tell you one more thing. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. Like I've known Ned since I was like 16 years old. He goes, oh, I'm actually not your manager anymore. <laughs> I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And <laughs> Why are we here? And he goes, oh, I'm the list manager of Collingwood, so I'll be in this meeting, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I don't, he should never have told me before the meeting because the whole time in the meeting my head was just blown off. I was thinking, like, how am, <laughs> how am I ever meant to get a trade done when he's just told me that? Yeah, it was amazing. One minute I'm dealing with him as a player agent and then the next minute he's in, a, he's in opposition camp. Uh, it was an amazing time. But uh, full credit to Ned. He, um, you know, to, true to his values – he, he was professional all the way through that that whole process. And then Alex McDonald took over towards the end and um, we're grateful for them for the way they handled it. But there were some scary moments there for us because there was another club I think might have been ringing you up just before the paper was lodged. So, um, yeah, but we got it done. All's well as it ends well. The media sort of – I remember the media reporting it as uh, Carlton sort of being in the box seat at the time and – I know, Adrian, you have a close relationship with Stephen Silvani. How how worried were you at the time that, that you were going to lose Dev to the to the rivals? <laughs> well, you can't trust Sauce. That's that's the, the number one thing. You can't trust him whatsoever. He's as shifty as they come. <laughs> so I really didn't know what he was up to, but I knew that they were sniffing around. Because when they ring you and have a, a friend-to-friend chat, but they bag someone, that means that they want them. So I knew there was something going on, but... Uh, Dev made the right call and and, and uh, selected Essendon, so uh, no, we're happy. So how how real are those mind games between the clubs when when you've got one player sort of you know uh, with three or four clubs chasing him? Oh, there's mind games there, absolutely. Um, there's not as many ga- there's not as many games as what the, the the public think are going on. I, I recall my first trade period going back you know twenty odd years ago. You know you're working with Sheeds and there was games getting played left, right, and centre. These days, the conversations are, are really honest. Um, everyone respects each other's professionalism and there's no games played um, compared to what there was 20 years ago. Uh, but everyone's trying to get the best outcome for their club. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, you've got to respect people's ambitions to get better, you know, and, and that's what happens. And Devin, with all this interest, what made you settle on the Bombers? Yeah, to be honest, like at the very start of my negotiations, I probably had my heart set on Geelong and that was earlier on in the year when I wasn't sure if I was going to come home or not. Um, But they sort of fell off out of the race and then Carlton come on pretty heavily, as you said, Um, and there was a couple others. But I remember a phone call, I rang Dad probably two weeks before and I said, look, probably going to end up at Carlton. And he said, yeah, whatever, like he doesn't really mind what I did. Um. But then when push come to shove, I made a few phone calls, had a great meeting with Adrian and Woosha, and they sort of instilled more of the belief that I could play midfield and play the role I wanted to play. And um, after that point, I sat down, I called a few people. I rang John Quinn, obviously someone that I trust and rate a lot, um, and I said, what do you think, Essendon? And he spoke um, more glowingly about Essendon than anyone <laughs> ever has. Um 
and then a couple other phone calls, which I won't name, but pretty much everyone said it's a great football club. Um, you'd be silly if you if you were thinking that it wasn't the club for you. So from then on, it they probably became my number one. Um, but Adrian was up to his old tricks and wasn't really offering more than a two-year deal at the time. Um, and then he's probably lucky that I committed too because um, I the day I committed, the morning later, um, Alan Richardson sent me an email when I was playing golf with one of my good mates, Nathan Wilson, and he'd already signed with Frio. Um, and their offer was pretty decent. So um, if I hadn't have committed, I don't know, uh, to, to say that I would have committed to Essendon, but um, <laughs> it was just luckily that I probably did. But I think back now and I couldn't be happier. I'm very happy at Essendon and I think it's going to be in my blood now um, until I'm finished footy. And, um, yeah, it's just a great place to be. And hopefully onwards and upwards, um, there's plenty of new people. It feels like a new vibe. And, yeah, we can't wait to get back into it. Mm. I remember I remember that whole period. I remember looking at Dev and I'm thinking, geez, is he going to pick us? And I remember I picked him up one morning. He'd met with Wusher early at a very um, famous cafe in Port Melbourne. And I went and picked him up. <laughs> And I picked him up and we drove out to Tallamarine. I think it was a Sunday morning or a, or a public holiday or something. I thought, well, I'll show him Essendon and there'll be no one at Essendon and the gate was locked. Anyway, we got in. There's, I think Tom Brown was parked inside following us from Port Melbourne to to Tallamarine, so it blew our cover. But in that discussion, I, I didn't quite know if I was getting him over the line and I was doing my best salesman job and I said to him, and I thought he wanted to go to Geelong and I said, Dev, look, you, I know – you want to go to Geelong. But can you remember what I said after that? No. The famous quote, Dev? I said <laughs> there's, there's no there's, there's no traffic there's no, lights between here and Lara. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, look, mate, this is how desperate I was. I said, mate, it's only half an hour up the road. From Tallamarine to Lara, no traffic lights. That's and he's looked at laugh. me with this, are you, are you an idiot or what? <laughs> at that point I went, I think I've done enough selling. Better uh, shut up now. <laughs> Uh, good times. Uh, good times indeed. And, and Devin, uh, it really, 2018, you came firing out of the blocks in your new colours, uh, winning the, the Crichton medal. Um, how are you feeling at that point? I guess you were, man, pretty content with, with where you were at and and vindicated in the decision to join Essendon? Oh, I don't think content to be the right word. I'll be content if we win a premiership. Um, that's the reason why I joined. Um, but looking back now, I was just... Glad that um, obviously I had a bit of fire from the 2017, everything that happened there, um, and probably a, a bit to prove to myself because um, I'd, I'd never gone through not being picked um, in the first since being drafted, so I was quite lucky. Um, and it's probably the kick up the backside that I needed to get back to training and doing everything that I know that I can do. Um, so it was just nice to to prove to myself and, and give back to Adrian and the people that, believed in me um and yeah content probably wouldn't be the word that i'd use dev's a bit of an angry ant at the moment to see him do his rehab over the the pre-season and get a full pre-season absolutely flying heading into to round one how are you feeling now with this break i know that i spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and you're pretty frustrated because you want to get out there how do you feel right now yeah it's been a tough one because obviously last year we played uh the final over in perth and I ramped up my training at that stage. So realistically, I'd done like a nine-month pre-season <laughs> and to play one game and obviously have the enjoyment of, of getting a win and unfortunately no crowd. But um, it, 
it didn't feel like a waste, but I felt like I invested a lot of time and effort and energy um, throughout that time to set myself up for a really good 2020 season. And I still mm. think it's going to help me when we do go back. But now I've just got to be cautious of not burning out. Mm. Great effort to get in the leadership group, you know, having hardly played last year. So your peers recognise you as a leader of our football club, which is absolutely outstanding. But it would be remiss of us because we're talking about that trade period. What the public probably don't know is your relationship with Jakey Stringer. Um, you came together the club at the same time. And from everyone at the club's point of view, one of the, the best things that we've seen happen is the way you've actually helped Jake transform himself into a very professional footballer. Um, give us your thoughts on Jake, how he's travelling, how he's going and what the future holds for him. Yeah, I've got a funny photo with um, Jake and I. I think we've both got peroxide in our hair at 17 years old and when we both got chosen for the AIS team and um, obviously we roomed together then. He was a, he was a funny, I'd say dumb kid from Bendigo back then. <laughs> um <laughs> And unfortunately, it's when he broke his leg, so he didn't get to come on the trip um, over to Turkey and overseas, um, which I was flat about. But sort of when the conversation around him coming to Essendon and I was coming, I was thinking, gee, I'd love to play with him again. Um, so I sent him a message. I hadn't spoke to him in a long time. Obviously, they beat us in a prelim turn 16, so I was still a bit bit flat about that, and he still reminds me pretty much every second day. Um, but... Right now, he's in a great spot. He's just had a, a new child, Little River, and um, I've been doing bits and pieces of training with him. I still text him most days, and he's mentally and physically in the best shape um, since I've seen him at the footy club right now. So hopefully, as Adrian's saying, in the next two, three years, he really comes on the scene, becomes a player that we know he can be. Mm. And and when you said, Jules, before about, you know, why did you, you know, chase a guy like Devin, they're the sort of values and the reasons why you go after guys like Devon because they are leaders and they take men with them. Uh, and I've got no doubt that we're going to see the best of Devon Smith and Jake Stringer in the next few years because of the way he uh, goes about his, his job professionally and he's just dragging Jakey with him, which is fantastic to see from our club's perspective. Well, Devon, it's been great to chat to you and get some insights into the 2017 trade period. And hopefully we see... You and uh, Jake Stringer back out on back out in the action pretty soon. No worries, thanks for having me. Well, Adrian, the the, the trade period obviously securing Sard Smith and Stringer meant that the club didn't enter the draft until pick forty nine that year, which was actually the the club's longest wait for a selection in history. But you were still able to secure Zerk Thatcher, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, pick sixty six, and Mac Welfy at pick seventy six. Can you talk us through the strategy heading into that draft? Yeah, we, we knew that the uh, the depth of the draft in terms of 18-year-old talent uh, was a little bit thin towards, uh, you know, the 40s. And at our first pick, we actually took Geordie Houlihan from Sturt Footy Club, who had a terrific um, under-18 national championship. And we knew that, you know, Geordie was a little bit speculative um, coming from Adelaide, and it didn't work out for him. He definitely got the ability and the, and the, and the talent to be an AFL player, but... He just probably physically couldn't adapt to the rigours of AFL football. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, I've got no doubt that he could develop as a late, mature and play AFL footy down the track. But um, what we were able to do was look at two boys that were older, um, that uh, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, a 19-year-old, and um, uh, Mac Welfie is also a 19-year-old. So they both two boys that didn't get drafted as uh, 18-year-olds. So we just looked that side the the square and, and thought, well, 
how can we maximise the draft? And with uh, Zerk, we just we just liked him from um, the under eighteen championships, as I said, as where we played as a as a nineteen year old. Just his competitiveness, um, and then watching him at Sturt, um, there's not many there's not many players that like playing last line, and he actually is a very desperate player. Uh, and you, you mentioned before Steve Silvani. Funny story. I remember um, looking at him, and I thought, "Geez, he moves a lot like Sos." Now, I'm not saying for one minute he's going to be the next Steve Silvani because you know he's talking about the greatest fullback in the history of the game. But he has a lot of. He's got the, some mannerisms uh, with the reach, the spoil, um, the body shape. You know, uh, the long torso um, and the courage. So, look, he, he's been. Um, a little bit of a slow burn in our VFL, but we can definitely see a player. And he's one of those guys that we're really excited at the club. Um, you know, he played round one this year. His first game last year against Fremantle um, in Perth was outstanding. And then I think the following week we got uh, Hooker or Hurls or one of those tall defenders back. So he went out of the team. But he's certainly in a position right now where he'll, he, he can forge a, an AFL career. And that's part of the reason why we let Michael Hartley go last year because we didn't want to hold... Brandon Zerk Thatcher back anymore because he's ready to play AFL football. So I'm looking forward to seeing him develop, you know, for the next 10 years at our footy club. He looks pretty comfortable at AFL level, even though he hasn't played many games. He doesn't seem to get overawed. Are you impressed by his temperament? Yeah, look, um, one of the one of his features is the, the ability to, you know, get back on the footy or, you know, desperate in the air. There's a number of games in his first season that, you know, out of nowhere, he just put his body on the line. And I think that's, you know, his competitive nature is going to be the fact um, or, or the, his point of difference. So, um, uh, look, the thing with him is he'll, he still needs to, to learn about the game and needs to get better. But if he, if he puts in the work, there's no reason why he couldn't be a very good defender for a long time. And Matt Guelphie was a real success story of the draft. Arrived as a 20-year-old. There were only, I think, two or three players that were taken after him in that draft. Yeah. What did you like about him? Well, it was funny because Merv Kane went over to Perth a few years earlier when he played in a Colts grand final and, and really liked him, but he didn't get drafted because he had suffered a broken leg, which put him back quite considerably. But um, Merv always had his eye on him. Um, and then when he played uh, waffle football, you could just see he was um, a player that could play you know, midfield, back, forward, play multiple multitude of roles. Got a bit of spunk about him too, the way he goes about his footy. You know, he's tough. He kicks the ball really, really well. Um, the next phase for him is to get more of the ball. Uh, he knows that. And, you know, I think he'll just adapt to the training standards that are required. Um, and he should be a, a very good player for us also. You know, he can play, you know, that small back pocket role. We can, you know, we saw him on Anzac Day last year play on a wing. You know, his second half last year in Anzac Day, actually his whole game was very, very solid despite the fact he wanted to get his hair blonde before the game. Um, <laughs> but that's the, that's the person he is. He, he's a guy that, you know, he loves life. And, um, you know, he's not afraid to put his body over a smother, uh, which is something that we really respect at Essendon. So, um, yeah, no, he's been a terrific pick. When you pick always when you, you get guys late in the draft that play league footy, it certainly helps your strategy. You mentioned his versatility. We've seen him play in a number of positions, but do you think he'll have a position that, he'll settle into or will he remain a bit of a, I guess, that um, horses for courses type uh, of player? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think if you ask him, he's desperate to get in the midfield. Uh, we've got a bit of depth there at the moment. So he was unable to to break into the midfield um, in in the early game this year in, the, in round one. 
Um, but I can see him playing as a, as a defender. I can see him playing on a wing. I think it'll come down to form um, and opportunities and, and where you know, going forward, it'll be truck uh, where he wants to wants him to play. Um, again, um, we don't know where his limitations are. So that's the exciting thing about a guy like Matt Guelphie. Um, you know, he, if he puts the work in, which I'm sure he will, he's got the ability to maybe be an elite midfielder hopefully one day. Well, Adrian, thanks again for the chat. We'll catch up next week. No worries. Thanks, mate.